this is GEA Embedded here on Ball Study, where we bring you review of all the championship every Monday throughout the summer. We're here a day early this year, this week, because the Tyrone are all Ireland football champions for the fourth time. They've beaten Mayo in the final 214 to 15 points yesterday. We said we'd jump in a day early, get this done on a Sunday so you wouldn't be waiting around for your analysis. I'm delighted to say that we are joined today by uh, Darren O'Sullivan, who's with us all the time, and by former Mayo manager Stephen Rochford. Later on, we're going to speak to Morris Brosnan and to Mark Farrelly, the old podcast crew, back together again to, to delve in a little bit deeper. But lads, uh, Stephen and Darren are with us now. Stephen, former Mayo manager, of course, You've been here twice before um, where those boys are t- this morning. I don't know, what's the Sunday in this case, normally Monday morning, like after an All-Ireland final when it goes, you're, you're in a position to know it better than almost any of us. Yeah, well, you know, uh, naturally it's, it's, it's very draining, like emotionally, uh, building yourself up for the game. And you're, you're, you're as flat as a pancake. Um, a lot of the what ifs, the maybes that are that are that are sort of going through your your your, your head, and um, and you know that um, it's going to be you know it's going to be a long winter reflecting and and you know building yourselves back up for for for, for the for, for a new campaign and um, club championship coming will, will will assist in that. But I think the boys are being spared um, uh, with with sort of no homecoming or or, or no sort of acknowledgement in in that way and. So far as um, a gathering, um, COVID have, have done them a favour in that sense. But um, yeah, it's 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 a difficult morning, um, and you know the the experience of the of the of the years gone by will will have prepared a number of them as regards how they feel. But but um, it's a, it's a very very difficult, and and in some ways can be can feel a bit lonely. Um, the, the the position you're in this morning. Mm. As a fan, compared to as when you're involved in the team, there's there is this kind of like heartache of Mayo fans. It's eleven finals in thirty three years. It's an unbelievable record to even make that amount of finals, but to not win any at this stage, plus it's like six in the last ten. I just feel that there's this sense of I don't I, I can't even describe what it might be for the fans. But then you look at the players who've been in six, seven actual matches, but six All Ireland finals, like Aiden Lee Keegan. Um, uh, Kevin McLaughlin, are you know those boys pretty well? Are they the type that would feel it as obviously they feel it, but are they the type that would kind of like spend a week or two kind of saying, Jesus, never again, how do we keep doing this to ourselves, or are they immediately on how are we going to win this next year? Yeah, I, I think they'll, I think they'll, they'll take a bit of downtime. I don't think they'll, I don't, I, I don't think they'll start thinking about next year, uh, just now. Um, I think maybe some of the younger lads um, might might get into that space, and that's fine. A couple of the older lads will 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 know the the, the necessity to to switch off, have a little bit of downtime. Um, no doubt that they'll, they'll do a bit of socialising together or in in, in some of their, their own friend groups uh, over the next couple of days and try and unwind and put it behind them. Um, but I think you know the, 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 there's definitely going to be a sense of not just disappointment, you know, regret and, and, and missed opportunity. And, you know, I think, you know, out of, out of some of the more other recent finals, um, we'd have probably felt that we, we, we gave a better account of ourselves than we did yesterday. And and um, sometimes when you're in that, you, you're more accepting or you're you're able to pro, uh, process the, the, the defeat and, and, and look to, to move on. But I think as James says, uh, 
in his aftermath, you know, there there is still a, a fair amount of youth within that 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 squad and their sort of optimism and and, and their taste for, for getting to the big days hopefully will give the team um a, a bounce again come late November and into December. That's interesting though. Sorry, I I, I do want to move on to the throne and we'll come back to Mayo, but like that are you saying like so in say in 2016, 2017, a kick of the ball, you know bit of luck here and there, really brilliant performances in the three matches over the two years and it didn't go your way. Is that, that's in some ways easier to take than, you know, it being kind of over 10 minutes out and, and possibly not giving as good an account of yourself, even though you get that much closer, it is actually easier to process. Well, well, I think, you know, in, in any of these contests, you know, the, the thing that you ask from the group and, and, and players will ask themselves is to give, their 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 best is in their best performance. They're obviously their um you know their effort uh will have been undoubted. But when 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 so many of the group don't perform to their level, that level of regret will certainly uh stay with them. Um and it's not easy to get back to finals. Um uh, I know that there's a potential championship change and back doors may may maybe may back in um you know, we'll be on the table again next year. But it's damn hard to get to all Ireland finals. Like, you know, um, even you know, with Dar Darren will tell you as good of and 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 a talented crop that that the Kerry have, you know, maybe what one one or two All Ireland finals now in the last, you know, uh, ten years, maybe three All Irelands maybe in the last ten years, and that's a really talented group. So I've had six in that ten year period, you know, like you you're just you you know that it's you know, we've gone through a bit of a purple patch and getting to those uh, finals. Um, but really, you know, the, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't feed into the, the idea of curse or any of that sort of nonsense. Um, but when, 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 you, when you sit back and you reflect and they'll do downtime with, with the video and reviewing it, they'll know that, the, that, that not enough of them came anywhere near their, 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 their level of performance. And still, you know, you look at certain... Elements of the game where you'll say there was there was the opportunity when the game obviously the penalty is one but there were, there were other other opportunities and and those boys will have serious regrets um, I think uh, over the next couple of weeks months mm, absolutely Darren onto like on Tyrone you tipped Mayo early on in the year actually like before the semi finals even and I know you kind of been over and back but straight after the Kerry match it changed your mind because there was something in that performance and. I suppose just how how much they kind of like just went for Kerry. I suppose in in all aspects of, of of the pitch that made you think that actually this is this this is their year. They did actually. I, I, there's some argument on Twitter and stuff as to whether it was that good a performance by Tyrone. But from my point of view, is like they did everything right yesterday. You know, they they were ready for everything that Mayo had to offer, and they provided their own you know spark going forward as well. Yeah, and like that, I suppose, initially after the semi-final, I had gone from tipping Mayo to tipping Tyrone, and then I watched the game back, and I, I, from a Kerry point of view, obviously, I was looking at it going, geez, the chances they missed. Mm. I was just shocked at how many they'd actually created, and I was there on another day, they could have won comfortably, and that tipped me back to Mayo, and I went with my gut, which was telling me all year that this Mayo mm. team, I just had a weird feeling from, um, and maybe I underestimated Tyrone going into the game maybe I thought they won't have it as um, they won't be as fired up as they were for Kerry obviously there's that rivalry there but 
from the get-go yesterday, they just, first thing, first, I think we have to say they have 15 footballers on the team, and that's exactly what they are. They're footballers. Very rarely a team of footballers work as hard and as well as a unit as they do. Like, I think they are the only team that have half-backs and half-hours, and literally you could play either on either side of the pitch. They just do such a job there. Um, and they did the same thing yesterday. I think they, they forced Mayo in narrow. Um, they bottled them up. I actually thought Mayo were creating chances, and a bit similar to Kerry, weren't taken. But Tyrone's transition from back to front was incredible. Um, Morgan, especially in the first, he, he's like a sweeper playmaker. Mm. Um, I think McCurry had a great goal chance in the first chance or in the first half, and Henley made a great save. But like Morgan uh, came out, took a ball that like he had no even right to be there, carried out the field, and with an incredible long-range pass went long into McKenna, went over McCurry, read it. So I just think that for a team are in their first year of transition after the Mickey Hart era, what they've done this year is just phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Morgan's kickouts, uh, Stephen, is something that I've been thinking about a lot on his, his general play as well, like in, in the kind of build up so, so much of what Tyrone did well started off with Niall Morgan just making the right decision and some of the long kickouts in particular that set up some chances after chances and then eventually they... They, McCurry's goal came from that but like he was criticised after the Kerry games you know I possibly unfairly for maybe kicking it down David Moore and throat sometimes but it's about the process with Niall Morgan and about what they're trying to do rather than worrying about what his kickout stats are and so on and so forth and I think that came to fruition yesterday didn't it? Yeah I, I think to be honest uh, people looking at, at the Kerry game and, and pointing the finger at Niall Morgan was pure rubbish to be mm -hmm. honest um, I think firstly I thought you know, at, at different times, you know, in the past, um, Nile Morgan might have been a bit um, uh, rattled, you know, when, when he made an error, something that goes over the line or a missed pass. Something. His very first kick out, he didn't get it outside the 21. Um, but from then on, he was impeccable. Um, his his long distribution, both from, from, from hand and from foot, um, was well orchestrated. Um, they, like, I mean, the, the difference... Two two things were were were, were different uh, than the Kerry game, and I was I was at the Kerry game, so I could see this that maybe you don't pick up on television is that um, the, the the Kerry team, including the Shane Ryan and Thomas Sullivan, were pushed up to their own forty five. The space just wasn't there um, for 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 Niall Morgan um, as often as you'd like, and Kerry absolutely cleaned them out and breaking ball. That didn't happen yesterday. Um, there was an early early phase of play in front of the Hogan stand. He went long. Mayo had three players under the breaking ball, and still Kennedy got it got got it out to. Um, I think it was Kieran McGeary that was was breaking up the line. Um, and I think Niall Morgan yesterday was 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 man of the match for for, for me. Um, I thought his just the way he played. He played as a sweeper, as as Darren said there. That that one that he came out won, drove up to the forty five, spotted McKenna. Um, you know, at the at the edge of the D, and just lurried it in um, accurately. Like it wasn't just a, a hidden hope. Um, it, it you know he, he spotted that there was a potential mismatch there, and Conor McKenna is actually quite good in the air. Um, but I thought he was I thought he was very good. And even on the short kickouts when, when they got away, they they got a they got a play like a, if they went to um, a Peter Hart, they got a Kieran McGeary on it, and then it was back to to Niall Morgan as the as the Tom Brady. Uh, Esque of, of of Tyrone and and he just 
manage their, their their phase of play on the, on 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 all the restarts. And then I thought I thought he was actually super yesterday, and probably you know has has probably got ahead now of of Robbie Henley for that um, All Star as well. Mm, yeah, possibly. Yeah, and just an unbelievable performance. You mentioned he might have been man of the match, Darren. There's a lot of contenders there with Connor Myler. You know, Darren McCurry played so well, but you know, and and McGeary, etc. But I'm just looking at like. The Tyrone midfield, in a weird way, I think has been almost underestimated this year. We've been rolling all-stars all year. They've never even come up in conversation. You know what I mean? We've had the Kerry lads. We've had Matthew Ruan, et cetera, et cetera. But Kennedy and Kilpatrick yesterday, I thought, just really laid down a marker of like, hold on a second. We're a big, big part of this team too. And they're like an old-school midfield partnership in a way, really, aren't they? Yeah, and I was actually a bit surprised by my top nail would have the edge there. Um especially after I suppose the Kerry game was fresh in the head and I was look, I was surprised by how good they were to be honest because for me Matthew Ruan was in running for player of the year didn't think he really got into the game yesterday and that was all down to the Tyrone midfield I thought they dominated that area as Stephen said against Kerry the breaking ball Tyrone were non-existent in that game but yesterday even when there was two and three Mayo players around the place and Mayo are one of the hungriest team around it's not very often you beat them for breaking ball and Tyrone had that gesture, and I think that like that they, they rectified where they'd gone wrong against Kerry. And the two midfielders there were their key to that. And two big physical boys, like you said, a bit old school, two big men around the middle. And uh, no, they were exceptional yesterday. I think, Mick, just on that, I think, uh, you know, you're right. Like, Con Kilpatrick has come in this year and has been really below the radar. But it goes back to an earlier point that, that you've made is that this Tyrone team is about the sum of the parts. And you know, if if you look at maybe, you know, a, a David Moore or Jack Barry or or or, or a Jermit and, and Matty Ruan, typically they'll come up against opposition that have let them play and let them to take the terms. You go up against Dublin, you play your way and we play our way, and um, uh, that just wasn't ever going to be the case yesterday. And you know, I got I, I I've seen those guys up close in some of the Ulster Championship games, um, and. Like Conkle Patrick is a very, very good player. Um, isn't going to isn't going to be a Sean Kavanagh uh, um, element for for throwing them in the field, but he's absolutely a workhorse. And he's you know Connor Myler has obviously got the label now of being uh, um, a serious man marker and and a team player. But Conkle Kilpatrick um, is 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 just coming in next to him, and he did a um, you know a phenomenal job on, on Matty Ruan. Didn't let him into the game. And that bore out in in in, in what, what what happened with Maddie at the tail end, bore out of pure frustration. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Um, which wasn't great to see. Unfortunately, it was a, like a, a unfortunate way to end such a great season for Rwan. I think still probably bring an all star for him. But the Tyrone defence is just an interesting one because there's been so much talk of their evolution and how they're attacking more. And you see Cora Campsey kicking an amazing point again yesterday. Uh, Darren two points actually, I think, and. Um, but they've conceded one goal since they went down to that match that we've talked about many times in Clarny, where they ship six. These lads are still defending brilliantly. And for all the chances Mayo created yesterday, it's funny, we should talk about Mayo's poor execution a little bit more in a minute when we're going to go back to them. But it's because Tyrone were putting them under huge amounts of pressure and they were getting those blocks in and they were stopping the... They were making maybe the, the, the wrong shooters take the shots and so on and so forth. Really, really good defending all the way through, I thought. Yeah, and like that, I suppose that game in Killarney it was just, I remember watching and going, this isn't the Tyrone team I've ever seen before. It was very much a one-on-one and you mark your man and that's it. 
where it was a big eye opener to them. I think um, if anything, I probably they probably watched that game back over and over and over again. Very rarely since that game has a player been left one on one. The Tyrone defense, they they are team defense. They they go one on one, but there's bodies filtering back to help you yeah. out. It's a, like it's amazing, really. They just they work so hard, and it sounds it sounds stupid. It sounds very simple, but that they just work hard. But I think it's their intelligence. They sense danger. I, I've always felt that. Sorry, I keep going back to Kerry. They're not to do with this, but that they don't sense the danger quickly enough. This Tyrone team sense danger. They don't care who's who's man they're on. If they see danger somewhere, else, they're going to that. And that's like Stephen said. It's about to some of the parts. It's very mm-hmm. hard to actually pick out just individuals with Tyrone. They do it as a team. And as I said earlier, there are fifteen fantastic footballers. But that's not what we're going to talk about. They just work harder than anyone else. In the, and it sounds silly, really, like, oh, they work hard. They, they're intelligent guys. They see danger. Very rarely you see a guy left one-on-one because there is somebody else cutting across the field because he sees the danger. And I think that's what got them to win. That's why Kerry caught the chances or missed chances. And that's why I think uh, Mayo missed chances so many of them yesterday. Yeah, it can't be a coincidence everyone's missing the chances. But Darren, like Darren's point there, Stephen, is like that you know, they actually aren't going sweeper. I don't think there was a sweeper, definitely not for the first half yesterday anyway, not a, not a full-time sweeper. They are one-on-one, but it never feels like they are. And is that, like, how much of that is instinct and desire and how much as it is really, really well-organised uh, defensive coaching that you know how to swarm at the right times? Yeah, I think, I think firstly, on the Kerry National League game, I think that's, I don't think that, I genuinely never felt that that was a reflection of where Tyrone were in their season anyway. Um, I thought they, they they conceded three goals off the kickouts in that game. And I think, you know, when, when they came to beat Kerry again, uh, obviously a few weeks ago, they changed up what that plan was. There was very little going short and they were, they were getting their defensive shape set up. I think in relation to, you know, their ability to be able to dovetail between uh, a sweeper um, or a plus one and man on man, Obviously, they had Niall Morgan able to step out um, and, and play that at times. Frank Burns would slot in. But they have technically some really, really good defenders. Um, you know, Peter Hart has, has, you know, become, you know, not necessarily the guy that's had to put them up on his back and carry them. Um, but he's gone back in. He's playing his role at wing back or centre back, man marking. Um, and he's also contributing um, up front. Like he's scored in each of their championship games this year, I think, which is a... You know, it's really uh, a sign of a guy that has really enjoyed his football, that he's been able to do his defensive work really, really well, get up the field um, and, and contribute at the far end, along with, along with Hamsey and McGeary and Myler at different times. They've had just a great fluidity of knowing when without the ball, we're, 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 we're all defenders. And that, 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 like, I don't mind that to sound that we'll all get back inside the 45. Um, and when we have the ball, we're all trying to create the opportunity to get forward. And just to pick up on one point as well for, 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 for Darren is that he's, he's, he's nailed it on the head in relation to these guys. When they find themselves in one-on-one positions and they get breached, it's instinctively into the team defending then. There's somebody there willing to bail you out because they know when you get caught the next time, Peter Hart is going to stand in or McNamee is going to stand in. or And they got a, they showed really this season a great template for, for teams coming that, you know, the team defence isn't necessarily all about getting 12, 13 bodies inside the 45. It can be, you know, maybe a plus one or man on man. But if he gets breached, everyone's back putting out the fire. 
was so evident in the semi-final, I think, especially, Darren, we talked about it a good few times, that there was the amount of times that you, your instinct was like, goal on here for Kerry, because that's what it would have been almost in any other match. But before you know it, there was just somebody closing down that space after the original man had been beaten. They're just so good at it. Like. Yeah, and I suppose the management team have to take credit for that, because to do that type of defending, you have to trust the fellas around you, that you can actually go, we call it balls out for it, because yeah. you know in the back of your mind one of your mates is going to come and cover you. And my thing is always with football, if my mate covers me this time, I'm going to burst my arse to get back and cover him the next time. And it just filters through the team, that confidence, that trust in each other. I think that's what they've built up with this year. And like from an attacking point of view, I think it was mentioned there how Peter Hart looks like he's enjoying his football. I think it has been a case of you go mark your man, you do your job there. But when we're on the ball, you play your own game. You do what you're good at. And that seems to be the case for all the defenders. And they do, look, it's just hard to criticise the way they've played for previous years, but they do look like a team that are just enjoying their football. They take a few more chances with the ball. They're a bit more open, a bit more expansive, and that, that comes with enjoying your football. So what I think they've brought this year to the group is obviously there's, there's always a big trust there, but there's a huge trust there that they can go out and push the boundaries a bit, go a bit more attacking because their buddies or their teammates are there to bail them out. But as individuals, it probably just brings a bit of confidence when you see some of the scores that the defenders are kicking. They're phenomenal, like. Yeah. Um, Shane Keeley here on YouTube saying Ulster Championship is the best about. There would have been three Ulster teams in the semi-finals if it was an open draw. Obviously, no way of knowing that, but I think it does. It does point to the fact that like Tyrone had an unbelievably. They had the hardest route by a mile. They beat the current Ulster champions. Obviously, they beat Donegal, beat Monaghan, brilliant Monaghan team. Then Kerry and 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 Mayo in the final. In a, in a straight knockout championship, that's an unbelievable route, Stephen. Like, they really did earn this. I know there was a lot of messing in the middle, I suppose, with everything that went on with COVID and the fact that they were technically out of the championship, withdrawn from the championship a couple of weeks ago, which is mad in itself. But when you take it from start to finish, this is, a, this is as good in All-Ireland as Throne of one out of all the four. Oh, yeah, I, 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 I totally concur with that. I know a lot of, you know, a lot of maybe commentary that I saw and heard maybe last night around it, oh, geez, was it a good final or whatever. I mean, you know, Tyrone have absolutely earned um, this game. And, you know, and they scored well uh, over the period. Like, you know, 16 scores, 214 yesterday. Um, you know, big score against three goals against um, against Kerry. Um, and, and, you know, they're absolutely deserving uh, Ulster and, and uh, All-Ireland champions. And, you know that, that that's been a it's been a windy path for them, and um, again, like you know, I back up what Darren said there. That trust, there looks a great spirit in that group. Yeah, they're 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 a good bunch to be able to um, you know uh, create the the siege mentality. Um, they use the COVID element, I'm sure, to, to get another couple of percent out of that, and, and fair play to them. I mean they. They, there's a great spirit in that. It's evident in how they play, but you can see it. You know, listen to Kieran McGarry last night. Listen to Peter Hart. Um, the real joy and um, you know, bubbliness in in, in how they're ta- talking. Uh, and and look, maybe that's quite obvious when you when you when, when you lift Sam McGuire. But um, I don't think you know, even in the lead up, you know, to the, the, their media night, some of the the vibes you were getting out of that was that these lads were loving their summer, mm. and um, you know. Uh, I don't think anybody can 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 take away, or I don't think it's fair anyway for anybody to, you know, there'll be some comparisons around this team versus the 
the, the Brian Duher and the, the Stephen O'Neill and the Sean Kavanagh. I don't think that's totally unfair. Um, this team have, have rolled up the sleeve and they've earned everything they've got this year. But it is a team that can grow, Darren. You're talking about 15 good footballers. They're not exactly old either. You know, you're probably talking about Matty Donnelly and, you know, maybe Petey Hart as people who are probably on the end of their career. Niall Morgan's been there for a long time. rest of the lads, either in their prime or coming into it, you'd look at somebody like Conor McKenna is going to improve. You've got Cotton McShane to come back into that team. Derek Hanavan, you know, developing and coming off injury. Uh, you know, Darren McCurry playing to his strength. And that's just the forwards that I'm talking about. You know, this is all over the field. This is a team that, you know, it's so such a basic, stupid question to ask about the All-Ireland champions. But considering they kind of came from nowhere, it doesn't look like this is a flash in the pan team. No, and as we said, look, this is the management team's first year. They're still in a bit of transition. And not only, like, winning obviously adds a bit of excitement around the county, but winning the way they've done it this year, which has been, I suppose, been like night and day to the way they've played in previous years. If you're a young lad in Tyrone, like, obviously your dream is to play for Tyrone, but... When you see the way they're playing now, and like Stephen said, the scores they were racking up this year, which they weren't doing previously, it's an exciting team to be part of. It's a team where mm-hmm. you're allowed to express yourself, where you're allowed to go out and enjoy it and play, play free-flowing football, as well as do the hard work. And it is a kind of, you work hard for us, we leave you play ball. Do you know? Um, so it's only the start of the journey for them. Um, like I, t- I said, going into the final, the best thing about it for me was like from take off to Kerry had there was no Dublin there was no Kerry people were writing they weren't really talking about Tyrone at the start they weren't really talking about Mayo because Killian was out you had two teams I actually thought it was a great final um, it was end to end yeah there was missed chances and stuff but you're going to have that in the final it's not going to be score 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 I thought it was brilliant it was like from a neutral point of view watching it it was two teams going for it yeah I think Mayo will come away thinking we played much better in finals before but Tyrone I think will feel individually a couple of their players didn't play up to scratch either mm. um so it was one that that's an all-earning final there's nerves there's pressure but from a football point of view and going forward i just think it's going to make the next couple of years very exciting yeah Stephen, i don't think mayo want to be making excuses or anything like that but i just haven't heard it mentioned is there anything in like the fact that throne played an extra time thriller against kerry two weeks ago and um mayo hadn't played in four weeks you know, that like that there was just that little bit of maybe that bit of match practice that was there for that last 20 minutes. No, I don't think so. Genuinely don't think so. Um, I think, you know, in, in, in many ways, uh, a less than four-week period wouldn't have probably got Ushi Mullen back. Um, I think they needed also the time to, to process the win against mm. Dublin. It was, it, it was, I suppose, there was a lot of talk or hype, uh, you know, nationally around around that. So there was a there was a, a case of, of of you know allowing them to get back to ground zero and you know build a focus towards Tyrone. Um, I think they'll be disappointed in certain aspects of of the game from yesterday, though, in relation to that they they did some things well. I think if you looked at the the phase of play through the the the, the free kick that, that they got just before half time, that maybe there was a, a question mark around was it a penalty? No, and I think Joe McQuillan got that absolutely right. Um, but in that, they changed up their angles of running. Fellas came in support, and that just did not happen enough um, at the last day. And and I think you know if if you're going to try and move these guys around in Tyrone, that's what 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 um, Mayo needed to do. And and they had the opportunity of seeing that against you know what Tyrone brought to that Kerry game, and 
they had the two week lead in to, to get that right but they just didn't get it consistently enough in the play in the second half, as the game kind of went on, it felt to me anyway like Tyrone were more in charge. Obviously, a penalty could have changed things. It would have put them ahead, etc. But it just felt to me that Tyrone were kind of somewhat in control and, and didn't take their own chances, I think, in the third quarter that could have stretched away. It felt to me during that time that Mayo started maybe taking pot shots or maybe just it's slightly getting away from them. Do you, one, agree with that or two? Is it like, is that a mentally getting away from us or is it a being worn down by Tyrone not letting us do what we need to do? Yeah, well, I think that there was there's one play there that that I think um you know Tyrone tried to break in for a goal chance. I think maybe uh someone tried to bring in Matty Donnelly or Darren McCurry over the top and, and Oshie Mullen intercepted. We came all the way up the field, yeah. Tommy Tommy Conroy broke inside and I think probably back now looking at, at he probably would say, oh, give me that chance again. I'd tip it over the bar and get the game. I think the game would have been level uh, with mm-hmm. that. Obviously, it goes in the back of the net. It lifts the crowd, the team, or the front foot. But I think at a time in which hurting Tyrone and laying the, the, the necessary gloves on them, you know, they're not the team that usually cough up the ball easy. And to punish them at the far end, it would have been a great score to get. And I think with the way Tyrone play. Like they did cough up opportunities. Mayo will have opportunities and they'll look at, you know, Conor Loftus shot off the, the line. Um, obviously, the penalty, the Tommy Conroy chance that we spoke about. Brian Welch had a great chance on uh, on the right-hand side. Yeah. And then what happened is because they didn't happen, players were probably taking on themselves that they had to try and make it happen. And they were trying stuff that hadn't been part of the pattern. Now, I know Conor Loftus had two poor wides from distance. At the same time, he got one just before half time against Dublin that kept them in the game. So you know you're you're you're, you're damned if you do and you're damned if mm. you don't. And certainly when when the when when those wides were going from distance, I think that played totally into Tyrone's hand and allowed them to take the the terms of engagement for the rest of the game. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Darren. There's a there's a a, there's a weird kind of sense with this Mayo team because you've got. Aidan O'Shea, you've got Kevin McLaughlin and like especially Lee Keegan, who was just so good yesterday, you know. And you don't know how many years these guys have left them or how many times they can go back to the well. And you don't replace someone like Lee Keegan, right? If if he does step aside or if he in any way gets, you know, not not as effective as such with age. But at the same time, the majority of this team, we've talked about it all year, aren't the guys that were there in 2012 against Donegal. It's a new team. And for these guys, They've just played in two All-Ireland finals in a row. And really, it's after two years of the development of this new team. There's a real chance for Mayo, in a way, to kind of kick on from this, isn't it? If what we have in that um, in that replacement era, you know, has been as... It's, it's worked out so far, is what I'm trying to say. And if you can replace Lee Keegan and Aidan O'Shea over time, this has a, it has a chance to not drop at all there for Mayo and for them to stay in that shout each and every year. Yeah. I think like in terms of Lee Keegan, you've one of the the greats, not only just Mayo GA, like he's just he's phenomenal. Geez, even yesterday there were times when they needed it and he was one driving out. He was one kicking the big scores. He was the one he went on McCurry and when O'Hora was uh, struggling. Um he's just phenomenal. You don't like you don't replace fellas like that, like for like you'll bring in somebody else and they'll do a job. They'll never replace someone like yeah. that. Um, and like that, if anything, they're probably overachieving at the moment because they lost so many good players, very good players, sorry, and they brought in these younger lads. Um, 
my fear going into the game the last year was it would come down to the last quarter. And when you need a couple of scores, I just personally, I felt when the wides were coming or the goal chance were coming, it was like another chipping away at the confidence. And would that self-belief be there? Or would it be a case of, oh, no, not again? Um, I think that's the way it is. So, look, I think Mayo, they're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. They're going to come back. I think the big thing is for me, I don't think the likes of Lee Keegan, McLaughlin or O'Shea will go anywhere. My big thing with Aiden is, can they find a position for him? I just don't know where they're playing. I just think he has all the attributes. We such um, have such an impact on every game, and I've I've never felt that he's been used correctly. He's I couldn't even tell you where he plays most of him. He's inside. He's on the forties, around midfield. And there's no structure to it. I think if you can find it, like first half of the game, he started slowly, and then they started popping ball. He's not a fellow who actually catches too much over his head. They're popping bouncing ball in front of him. And if you if you get that understanding with lighter fellas, quick fellas, which Mayo have now, that he could be the ball when you pop it, there's endless opportunities. And I think it is a, a tweak in how they play mm. that they have, like they go from, they're very much a running team, but they need to change it up more. They need to use the players that are there and the, the qualities that they have. Um, so I think if the likes of Aiden is to stay on, they need to find a way that keeps them in the game more often. Too often, yes, in other big games, he has moments and then he disappears because the style of play isn't suiting him. And I'm not saying they tweak everything for Aiden, but he's such he has such a big game mentality. He's a big player for them. He's a leader in the group. They have to find a way to keep him on the ball because when you have a fella like that and he's been kept out of the game like a leader, that's oxygen to the opposition as well. Yeah, yeah. He did set up scores and win freeze for scores in the first half, but I, I completely see Darren's point, Stephen. It's it's just an ongoing question that's been gone on for a long time. Like, I mean, this is one of those unique players for our team, and I think there's far too much focus on him from outside, sometimes really unfairly. But at the same time, Mayo needed to be getting a little bit more out of Aidan O'Shea and be that the, the way it was set up or his own performance. They just needed a little more from from some a leader like that yesterday, especially when you consider that Mayo's best ever forward. They made this All Ireland final with you know a, another once in a lifetime player in Killian O'Connor gone for the season and not being part of things. You know, yeah. Well, I, th- I think uh, I actually thought that Aiden had um, was actually uh, quite good in the first half. I thought he was winning a lot of first phase ball, primary ball off Rona McNamee when he went inside. Um, but we didn't get the runners, you know, as, as, as Darren was saying there, a couple of those lighter lads, I, I think he was trying to say if he, if we had a, a, a young Darren O'Sullivan running off on base <laughs> and, and bounce, you know, we, we'd have had opportunities. But I go back to that example that I just said there, just before I have time to create it, that free, that's actually what came off. We had a, a ball in towards Aiden, you know, we had a phase or two off, runner coming off, and someone had Park Ora changed another angle, and we got in it. But we didn't do that enough. We didn't we didn't get Kevin running off and we didn't get Connor Loftus running off and Brian Welch, Jermot. Um, you know, we didn't get it. You know, the running was always going to be just coming uh, from Paddy Dirk and Lee and, and Ushie Mullen. Um, and, you know, as the game wore on, that only seemed to really come from from, from Lee. Paddy Durkin was, was, was being, you know, being really well marshaled. By uh, by Connor Myler, obviously uh, Matty Ruan had given us that in the in, in the semi final in previous games. He was being done by Kilpatrick, but you know people tend to look at the the big six foot four guy and place a lot of blame and emphasis on him. And you know he's the the team captain, but you know it's 
you know, I think people that aren't investors, you know, probably don't realize that it's never about one guy. Um, mm-hmm. It's, you know, I think others needed to to play off him. Um, he isn't a prolific scorer, as you, you see. Like, there's no comparison as regards um, scoring uh, without a Killian in, in, in that team. And, and if Killian had, had been available, maybe they would have they would have gone with Aiden in midfield. And I think probably that might be something that James will look at in the second half, that maybe they should have tried to match up Aiden maybe off Brian Kennedy um, and, and maybe jazzed up a little bit, but maybe moving Jirma to the edge of the square and, you know, maybe maybe to, to, to look and see if that would have, uh, un, not, I won't quite say unnerved um, Tyrone because they're very comfortable with what they do, but maybe just pose a different question to them um, because I don't, I don't think we got enough out of Aiden in the second half, surely. But I think his first half gave us a bit of a template around if we could have had just just those runners coming off him. And it's very unlike Mayo not to have had those runners, but probably as a reflection of how well Tyrone were doing in the middle third, stopping those guys. Before we go, Stephen, the last 10 years now, it's like it's six All-Ireland finals in 10 years, four or the other four years, three semifinals, two of them were replays. You were involved three of those years, two All Ireland finals, won a replay defeat. You're not making this easy, Mick. No, I'm not. No, I suppose my question is like, this is an unbelievable record without the last thing. Do Mayo people take any solace whatsoever in the fact that they have been the second best team in the country, maybe, or whatever it might be, or up there with the top two or three teams in the country for so long for a county like Mayo to have such consistency? It's an amazing record. And it, it, it's such a. It's such almost a pain that the narrative always has to be that Mayo don't win the final because they've come up against good teams in the finals as well. Yeah, um, look, you know, I, I think there may have been a little bit of that going back to 1989, 96, 97, and maybe in the, 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 the teams in the noughties because there wasn't the level of consistency hmm. whereby this team, and in fairness to, to James, he, he, he took over having the team been beaten by Sligo and Longford. Um, and he, you know, he really stripped it back, you know, brought in a, a, a great strength and conditioning team under Ed Cockler, put a great medical team in place, great coaching team, you know, with Keane O'Neill and Tony Buckley over the years. And he, he built a real good um, system in there. And, and, you know, you know, my period there built, you know, was, you know, benefited from, from a, a good foundation that, that he put in place. Um but but definitely there is no um, comfort in in being second best. Uh, absolutely not. That team, I can tell you, th- those boys will, you know, they, they, they take absolutely no comfort in that. And I think you know that that genuinely the vast majority of of, of Mayo supporters um, don't see it like that anymore. Um, you know, they're I won't say that they're quite as as harsh as the. The, the, the supporters down down um, Darren's way, but um, you know they they'll be you know they'll be asking questions that they of why we didn't do this and how come he didn't do that and you know that that's just the space that maybe we're in now with social media and all that um, that you're, you're you're going to get a lot more of the the, the feedback right 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 between the eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Darren, I suppose from an outsider's perspective, though, I, I can understand that, and I wouldn't expect anybody in Mayo to take solace from that record. But history will put these down, especially, except for maybe Dubs messing. History will put this Mayo team down as, like, genuinely, it's the best team to ever not never win in All-Ireland, for sure. But it, it, it's going to go down as one of the, the best football teams 
You're killing Stephen with these comments. He is, he is. I've, I've tried to this pick up another, now and try to make him feel better. This is another us. Dublin uh, element of, yeah. uh, of death by a thousand cuts here. Uh, I'm a Clare man with a Dublin accent, Stephen. I don't know anything about football. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think, look, I genuinely look like they're not going to take any solace in it. They're not. It's just Stephen, it's a nail on the head. It's about winning the games. Unfortunately, whether it be luck or just one of them things, it's just like they are an incredible team. They have had an incredible team for a long period of time and for whatever reason, they've just not been able to get over the line. I don't think they're going to take any solace in it. Individually, a lot of these players will go down as some of the greatest that Mayo ever produced. Some of them will go down as some of the greatest GA players. Um, just thinking of Lee there and Killian O'Connor, you know, what they've done in the game. But look, I've been there, I've been lucky enough, I've won, but I've I've lost a lot as well. And people don't forget when you lose. Um, yeah. They won't. Like when you look at the record books, you look at the winners. And as harsh as that is, as that is that's, that's realistic. And uh, that's that's the real world. You look at the winners and sure, look, I know a lot of the Mayo lads have played against them. I played with a few of them in college and stuff like that. And great guys mm. do they deserve would I say they deserve to win one of course they do but that's just not sport no. and um, I think Stephen's right you can sugarcoat it all you want it doesn't change anything last question then lads there's uh, two teams in the All-Ireland Final you know there's a, a unique pairing in the All-Ireland Final the six in a row is over I think all four teams who lost or were in the semi-finals this year will all fancy their chances next year we don't know whether the dubs are going to Kind of come back or, or revitalize in some way but definitely the other three and you'll have the likes of monaghan saying we're not that far off we're as good as tyrone you'll have Donegal thinking that way as well who knows if galway can you know kind of step it up you know e- even teams like me who would have said like they're making progress etc etc is there a sense that the six in a row being over someone like it not being kerry who takes over Stephen, importantly as well that there's another team that tyrone have come in they beat may on the final is there a sense that we might have some kind of a more open era that there might be it, it's up for grabs every year that counties will take solace from a final like yesterday's yeah no, i know i think you're, you're you're dead right i think though um part of that might might also be a little bit obscured by a knockout championship yeah and if we revert to um you know backdoor you, you may still look to see you know those those two or three teams that have typically um, dominated uh, uh, all Ireland final appearances over the last decade or so. But I think you're right. The, and and Armagh were a team there. Make you didn't didn't mention. I think they're certainly another one that are on the up upward curve. And in that though, you know, you, you, we've named probably eight eight or ten teams that on their day, you know, could probably beat each other. Um, Dublin, I, I I would say, you know, will go away and lick their wounds this winter and. Um, they're certainly not gone away, and no, nobody suggests that they are. Um, but you know, everybody will will, will see a team like Tyrone. I, I I would love to know had anybody Tyrone picked to to their back to, to to win the All Ireland. Um, and fair play to him this morning or her uh, that has done that. But um, that that also will give give people hope. And and you know that's what that that's what everyone you know when they lace up their boots next November and December and get back into their pre season that. It's with hope and you know desire to to to, to get to an All Ireland final, win your provincial, get into the All Ireland final, and give it your best. And um, yeah, I think they're the the I know over the last 
six, seven years, we've all been grasping at the straws to see our Dublin coming back to the to the pack, or are we mm. all getting closer. But but I think there's no doubt that that that's it's it's much more a pack now, right? Dublin's still in the, in at the the right side of that pack, but it is much more a pack now, I think, than 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 we have seen it before. Absolutely, yeah. So something to look forward to for 2022 for a lot of counties and not just not just the Dubs this time. But uh, Stephen Rocher, thanks a million for joining us today. I know it's not the easiest thing to come on a few hours after uh, watching your county uh, lose an All-Ireland final, but uh, thanks so much for joining us. And Darren, thanks for everything, of obviously, today and throughout the year as well. Um, it's been brilliant uh, spending the football summer with you. Cheers, Mick. Cheers, lads. Thanks a million to the guys there. Um, lots more to come as well. We're going to speak to Morris and Mark reconvene the old podcast for another uh, post-mortem slash celebration of yesterday in just a second. But don't forget to, um, if you're watching on YouTube, please do subscribe to the channel. We're here with you every week. Uh, you'll get notified when we're on, etc. And of course, if you're listening on the podcast, and you're not already subscribed, please do so. And also leave us a rating and a comment. Really helpful if you can. Right then, time to get our old uh, three-man weave back together for one more time. I've sent out the bat signal and got Mark Farley and Mars Bros. Right, I've called out the bat signal. My old podcast host, Morris Bosnan and Mark Farley are joining us now. Delighted to have you back, lads, for one last kind of roundtable chat. And of course, we had to do it after the All-Ireland football final. Uh, Mark, uh, we haven't spoke to you all year, really. Me and Morris are having these weekly chats, and I noticed you're going to get a little bit jealous of them. You're sort of sending tweet threads every week, kind of uh, backing up our points. I just, felt, I just <laughs> felt like you were missing out on these chats. Exactly, Mick. Long-time listener, first-time caller. It's nice to be on the show. <laughs> Yeah, well, let's have the chat then because it was the All Ireland final. We've already obviously talked in detail about the match with Darren and, and and Stephen there, but Morris, I don't know. I think there's a there's a feeling that I have anyway that the story of the fairy tale and then the the, the fairy tale sad ending about Mayo is completely overshadowing the fact that Tyrone won this amazing All Ireland that had this amazing story in the middle of it with the COVID and everything that was gone before, but ultimately beat the Ulster champions, Donegal, uh, Monaghan, Kerry, and then, and then a Mayo team who only had to turn up to win the All-Ireland and beat them all well. Like a really, really like brilliant All-Ireland by a team in his first manager, you know, management in his first campaign, et cetera, et cetera. It's actually an incredible story that nobody's talking about. Yeah, I, th- I think that's there are two connected things, Mick. We might talk about this again in a second, but the I do think you know we we presume we have narratives in our heads, and when things don't necessarily fit within that narrative, it just suddenly there's just no space for it. So you know, a lot of people find it very hard to square how does this Tyrone team concede uh, six goals in Killarney, uh, a new management coming in, this idea that they need to throw off the shackles and move on from the Mickey Hart era, with suddenly this team who just you know convincingly and dominantly stormed to a, an Ireland title. And similarly, you know, you have all the, the narrative around Mayo and that they're finally, their time is right and surely they can't lose again. And suddenly it comes very, very hard to square it with the fact that, you know, it was in a final that we saw, this wasn't a final where there was actually any space for, as much as people were trying to cast it, there's no space for the idea that this was about hard luck or curses or, you know, near misses or uh, red cards or whatever you want to call it. This was just... Uh, a good team being beaten by a much better team. You know, ultimately they just weren't good enough. And I know that's, you know, a lot of people look at that simplistic, but that's just what happens. I, I, I don't know how much more convinced you can say it. And, you know, from Tyrone's perspective, like they won't care. I think they've uh, they've nearly thrived off certain narratives going around about them. But yeah, like to my mind, this the, the story of this game isn't anything of, of that. It's just purely straight and simple. 
a better team beat a good team and uh you know that for as much as ways you want to dress it up that's what happens yeah on the day as well like mayo's goal chances and everything else like that mark are just one thing really aren't they like it's that was how the game transpired i feel like that there's a certain Let's face it, a dub element <laughs> going around social media lads who are kind of suggesting that because Mayo missed goal chances, thrown are actually shit. And in fact, maybe Dublin are the team uh, that yeah. everybody should be looking for after like, winning the last six All Ireland in a row. I thought Rome were fairly comfortable in that second That's half. Like they could have, they could have gotten um, if they needed it. They could have gotten a lot more scores. Like even like Jared Canavan fisted that ball over the bar. There was the uh, ball was just over the bar after Canavan missed the goal chance as well. You know, there were two goal opportunities if they needed to take them. Um, and the other thing is, like, people kind of, because it's Mayo and because it's County and because of all the fans or whatever, and they're on this incredible, epic journey, that you take, that's the kind of narrative, as Morris saying, you're going with. But really, this Mayo team are only in their second year and they've been in two All-Ireland finals. Yeah. The Tyrone team that actually won yesterday have had a lot more heartbreak than most of the Mayo players, nearly all of the Mayo players, bar maybe four or five on that team. They've been like winning, they've been getting all-star nominations, winning all-stars for years. I was actually adding up there this morning, they had um, that team that played yesterday, the players played, that took the pitch yesterday, they have had 21 all-star nominations between them. And that's come back to 2013 when Manny Donnelly had his first all-star nomination. So you can see how long this Tyrone team have been on the road. And like, all right, you've got Aidan O'Shea, Kevin McLaughlin, uh, Lee Keegan, Paddy Durkin to a lesser extent, came in more recently, yeah. a little bit more recently. Yeah, yeah. But aside from that, like there's like even if you look at the Tyrone players that are kind of like the whatever you would call them, I suppose the new breed or the um the the new leadership group within the team in terms of McGeary, Myler, Sludden, like these guys have been around for years. Whereas like I don't know who Conroy, they're all still fresh for even Oshin Mullen and Ahora, they're all kind of you know, this isn't it's not the same Mayo team was losing all those All-Ireland finals to Dublin. No. It's a different team and their time, hopefully, for Mayo people will still will still come. It's, a, it's an incredible experience to be in two All-Ireland finals and, you know, that it's such a short period of time like for a team that was in transition. Yeah. They should be able to kick on, especially if, like, you know, if the players that are coming are as good as Aidan O'Shea and Lee Keegan and so on when these guys do have to transition uh, out the last, the last group. But, like, yeah, look, I mean, Losing seven All Ireland finals for Lee Keegan and Aidan O'Shea, these are the guys that you're going to you're going to think of yeah. and are going to be the ones that and and Kevin McLaughlin obviously are going to be the ones that take the majority of the when you talk about the heartache. But I completely agree. But I actually was immediately after the game. It was just before Peter Hart ended up being interviewed, and it was just I was just thinking about Morgan, about uh, Donnelly and him. And I was just thinking, like, they've had their journey as well. Like, you know what I mean? They've been through the whole thing. You nearly think of those guys, Morris, as being part of that old team. You kind of don't remember. You think of 08, 05, 08, and that brilliant Tyrone team. You kind of, if you told me that Niall Morgan was knocking around there, I'd have to, I'd, I'd agree with you for a second before common sense kind of took over, you know, and how long. Peter Hart, especially. Peter Hart, definitely. I'm shocked that he hadn't played already in the final, by the way. But but Peter Hart is Peter Hart and Manny Don. It's interesting if you you, you know if you want to chart their journeys respectively. And you know, I thought it was like uh, Peter Hart's interview after the game was just class, and to see that kind of uh, how emotional he was. But you think back about his Tyrone senior career and 2008, Tyrone winning All Ireland. This you know this is the greatest team of the Nordies, greatest team of the decade. It's uh, absolutely there. His uncle is over the senior team. He's playing in the minor final. They all play Mayo in that game. 
and they win an Ireland and they go into a squad and Peter Hart has spoken about this like a lot through the years he felt that he couldn't be like he was expect. there was a lot of hype around that team because they had finally a young crop and I don't know if you remember that 2008 but there was, the narrative before that game was that this Tyrone team were on their last legs and um, you know even Enda McGinley has, has spoken in the past about the idea that you, they were, you know they're leaving Newry they lose it down you know we, we did owe it to this team to have one final crack and then suddenly they have this glut of young players and there's a lot of expectation that they can carry the mantle and Peter Hart and Maddie Donnelly, you know, the two who are on that team, have spoken about Peter, Peter Hart said he found it very hard to be vocal in that dressing room because he's sharing a dressing room with, you know, in some cases people have won three All Ireland medals. How are you supposed to speak up? You, you know, you, you kind of bow to that. And then, so, so that not only is that, you know, a huge amount of pressure, it's also a probably unfair expectation that he's coming into that. And suddenly, you know, you look at, you know, you want to talk about near misses, go back to 2015, 2016, both of those years, uh, I think. Matt Donnelly definitely won an All-Star both of the years. I think Peter Hart won one in those years. Uh, you go ahead, 2018, I don't know if you remember the, when they played Dublin in that final, they were five points up. And I, I firmly believe that that was Tyrone, you know, that was their belief. And suddenly afterwards, I think, if, you know, if we don't get it now, when do we get it? Mickey Hart goes, I don't know, experimentally, there definitely wasn't that much expectation that they would get it now. And then it all comes to fruition wonderfully at the end of the game. I think Peter, and Peter Hart kind of embodied that, the fact that, you know, he's not, um, you would definitely wouldn't accuse him of having, uh, lagging you know if, if anything he was one of the best players he's guaranteed all-star this year and you know my donny probably joins him in that as well mm. how much is the so the narrative with throne all year is that they've expanded what they do so it's all loads of really really good players but now they attack more and there, it isn't as negative and it isn't as restrictive i suppose is there any way in that this is a, a narrative versus reality situation or is that actually um completely true like that there is like a obviously there's a change and there's a, a, an evolution i would say a lot of people on tv say involvement but uh that, like the, that is there but like is it as massively transformative as it's been made out it's a completely different style i remember laughing at uh, after the cabin game when mickey hart was on it was the bbc podcast and asked mickey uh was he seeing a big change from when uh Tyrone when he was managing Tyrone and he was like well I saw a big change from when they played against Kerry in the league that was a, that was definitely yeah. a change of style there <laughs> but so I, I think but it is actually do you know what though that, that actually makes my point because that whole thing that that's where that all started or Tyrone are trying things or whatever they've conceded one goal since then yeah in all of their I, games you know that's and they're not like they're not wide open or anything there's definitely a more direct there's more of a directness to them and they are a bit more um they're a bit more positive in that they're probably not keeping, you know, in fact, they're not keeping a permanent sweeper like when Colin Cavanaugh was the permanent sweeper for them and they're going man to man, they're taking more risks. But at the same point, I don't know why it's always like, you know, I obviously want to see why it's different and, and they talk about, the, you know, obviously the brilliant job that lads have done in their first year of management. But like teams and players take stuff from every manager they've had. So like it's it's an accumulation of things like, like you, you can't have that Tyrone team that you had yesterday winning the All-Ireland final and you can't have the types of players that they had on that team without Mickey Hart. Like, Mickey Hart, again, you go back to that podcast, it's, it's a really interesting one to listen to because he maintains, you know, he's like, there's no thing as forwards and defenders and sacrificing your game and all this um, nonsense. It's it's the team. And, like, nobody embodies that, like, the likes of Colin or Conor Mile or the likes of McGeary, the likes of Nigel Sludden. So they, those players have been formed by Mickey Hart, they've been molded in that sort of image. Brian Duher, actually the exact same, who's now the manager. So it kind of the same with Joe McMahon in the backroom team as well. So like, you know, it, they've progressed it, they've brought it on, 
but it's always an accumulation of all experience. Come back to whatever managers the lads would have had at underage level and everything that um, you know, it's it's yeah. it's not a, it's a it's a story that's been written by all the management teams and the players that have come before, rather than just sort of starting afresh. I think. Um, yeah, and I suppose, yeah, I, I suppose what I've said is they're obviously doing more. Like, I mean, how many scores did? McNamee and Hamsey and I'll get over the course yeah. of the like there obviously are and it's a certain way it's a certain style of things but I'm wondering is that just like was that the natural progression anyway of the way they were doing things and the way the game is going Norris so, you know and again it's not this isn't to take any credit away from anyone I'm just wondering is sometimes we could pretend that a you know a switch was flicked and it was a difference between Tyrone being nearly men and all Ireland champions whereas actually Mark's point 10 minutes ago was this is a culmination of many years work and a lot of heartache in, and not as new a team, I suppose, as Mayo, who haven't gone through that yet, despite the narrative that they have. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, like, I think Marcus hit the nail on the head there. I, I, to my mind, it's it's a subtle change, but it's also a significant change. So, you know, I, I think the, the biggest change, and if you were to watch Tyrone, and you, you expect, the best way you can see this is if you see the behind-the-camera angles and that their their players, even though they're staying goal side, that's what they've always done. You know, they've always played, um, matched up with players, played goal side. When they're out of possession, they had an inclination before, particularly under Mickey Hart, to get back behind the ball, so retreat to the 45, and then kind of try and press there and be very difficult to break down there. Whereas now... When they lose the ball, they're still boxing off man to man, so they're still go aside, like they're still dropping off the ball, but they're pressurizing further up the field. So it, it, it it's a subtle change, and I think it makes it makes a massive difference in the way teams play against you because if you if you're dropping back ahead of the ball, it gives teams the option. If you if I drop off a player in, in my half, they suddenly have a kick pass option because there's nobody standing in front of them. So if they can get that off quickly, it makes you vulnerable. Whereas the amount of times where you no, know, it's funny, Mick, we're talking about Ireland there and about the, the this key to the game, and I you know. I think it's it's interesting that Kerry concedes uh, 3-14, isn't it, after extra time against Tyrone, and their problem is their defence. And Mayo concede 2-14 against Tyrone, and their problem is their attack. You know, like it, it's interesting that uh, that this way it comes around. And I, t- to my mind, that you know, it, it just goes to show that th- th- that just feeds into the narrative realistically. The, the, the biggest difference to me is that kind of middle third. I think, you know, Mayo were absolutely bullied in their middle third. They lost the midfield battle. They lost that, that kind of that middle zone battle and the biggest inclination of that is when you look at just before half time Mayo kicked five balls in a row five balls into their full forward line so you know this idea that they ran every ball they didn't like the first ball this started when Aidan O'Shea's chance when he's blocked down by Ronan McMahon that was the first one now that was an incredible pass by Ryan Ronan who uh, O'Shea gets the ball turns is blocked down that actually end, ends up going up the other end and the score a couple of minutes later Brian Walsh kicks a uh, remember that like this an aimless ball in on top of Ryan Morgan actually comes off his line catches it and Morgan this is the one where he drives up to the half line launches a big massive kick over the top uh, it breaks and Mac, um, Curry has his goal chance kicks the ball and it, it doesn't work out Lee Keegan kicks the ball to Aidan O'Shea I don't know if you remember this and Durkin was coming on the loop runs down a blind alley turns around gives the ball back to Ryan O'Donoghue who kicks a crazy pass across the field that's intercepted it breaks down again uh, a couple of minutes later the very good pass Kevin McLaughlin kicks to Aidan O'Shea and it, he catches it on the edge of the D he's fouled wins his free uh, the Brian Dunn who kicks the score and the final one is uh, another pass into Aidan O'Shea he gives the ball off he gives a hand pass to um, who got pulled down just before half time Parker Hora Parker Hora and that's that's one when he, he gets pulled down it's another free so know, to my mind right people look at that and say like what's the problem is Aidan O'Shea the problem is uh, Mayo's defence the problem and I think the problem there is that they don't, you didn't get enough after middle third. So they're kicking ball in. There's no second phase to follow up on that. The balls they are kicking in, like Loftus, Brian Walsh, wasted, um, Ruan, uh, Polly Durkin even, wasted so much possession. You know, like when you, when you look back on it, you know, 
Brian Walsh misses that chance in the first half. He kicks an aimless ball in on top of the goalkeeper. He carries it into, he gets turned over and carries it in when he's turned around. Same thing happens to Paddy Reckon a second later. And then he has the goal, well, you can call it a goal or a point chance where he just blasts the ball uh, wide in the second half. So that's yeah. an example of not getting enough out of your middle third players. And going back to, <laughs> this is a very long way to going back to where this all started. You look on, on the flip side of that and what does Tyrone do? And the example for this to me, the classic example of this yesterday of the guy who does that middle third job perfectly is Conor Myler. Because Conor Myler, when he's out of possession, is up, he's pressing Durkin, he's in his face. When he, the, the ball is kicked, then he has the, he's like the uh, engine, he's athletic enough to cover back. So say, for example, he's pushing Durkin, he's pressing, he's pressing, Mayo go along, ball goes into Aidan O'Shea, and Aidan O'Shea breaks it out in front of him. And who's there to hoover up in front of him? Conor Myler, because he's dropped off, gets in, gets uh, hammered by his leg. And every time he's getting on the ball, it's, he, he's, his onus is to try and, you know, he's, he's given you that kind of variation that you want on the ball. So he's well able to kick past the ball inside as he did, you know, several times. The goal is the best example. You know, that's that's example exactly what you want of that middle third player. And he's just, I mean, and going back to, you know, the, the point at the very start, he's just an evolution of previously we saw similar players in that role, but maybe their inclination was they lose the ball, drop to, you know, you used to hear, like, you used to, you used to be at Tyrone and you'd hear the shout 46, 46. And you know, everybody, like everybody knows, that's a club games. You hear that they're getting back to just protect that line just in front of the forty-five set up there, be very, very solid there. Whereas Moyer has just that bit more inclination, like it's slightly less conservative. Where he's still going to press you, he still is going to retreat, but just slightly higher up the field. And you know, it's it's a small change, but it also is a, a big change if you know what I mean. Mm. Yeah. The other thing is probably obviously McCurry is the big kind of difference that you can see that of like that kind of permanent presence with him and McKenna up on the full forward line. I know. It wasn't like they weren't going with long kickouts back when Hart was in charge, but it didn't. It didn't seem as striking or as successful. Like would that second goal have happened um, if they weren't playing the way they are? There was two kickouts like in the, the ten minutes before I tweeted it yesterday. There was two Morgan kickouts that were just inch perfect that they won the exact same possession from Morris. You've been talking about them all year, you know, dropping on the inside the forty-five. Like it's unbelievable yeah. the accuracy and like in fairness, he was well helped by the midfielders as well. Two goal chances. They squandered. They actually got nothing out of it. It was in that period where Mayo had the chance when Tyrone weren't scoring in the first quarter, you know, the, the third quarter of the game, and Mayo didn't capitalize. But there were two huge chances, and then they got the goal straight out. Like I literally sent a tweet saying, May, uh, Tyrone aren't capitalizing on these Morgan kickouts. And then they immediately capitalized and scored a goal from, from it, you know. And it was like it was coming, I think is the point. And I, I think, I don't think we can even, I don't think we can overestimate how big. One, the tactical decision to go for more of those type of kickouts are, and second, the ability of the goalkeeper to be able to drop them on a sixpence from what is he kicking them like 70 yards, 80 yards? Like, it's unbelievable the amount of distance he's getting on them. Like, they're being caught at their highest point almost as well. Do you know, it's like, but yeah. isn't, it, isn't it such a <laughs> testament to his like, Mark? We you tweeted about this recently. Like, I think it's an it's the ultimate testament to his. Uh, ability not to be influenced by like he got a lot of stick over the kickouts against Kerry and you know the the difference in terms of where he's landing them the difference isn't that isn't that big the real difference is that he doesn't have David Moore in his way that, that so you know like he, he just sticks to sticks to the process I know people don't like what, what I'm saying that but the outcome the whole point for him is that I'll put the ball there I have done my job whether or not they win the ball I'll get the blame if they don't win the ball I probably won't get the credit if they do win the ball you know Kennedy or McKenna get the credit but all all he's doing is sticking to that process over and over again. Yeah, it's and like they're like darts. And so there's some. It's, do, you ever, do you ever look watch games and it's almost like there's a sister. There's there's a set thing in play that you're expecting. So like yesterday, you're looking at it and you're expecting. You see Mayo and the win a break, 
and they're coming forward at 100 miles an hour and they're showing off the shoulder and they're moving the ball and they're moving the ball. And you're so used to seeing Mayo do that that you're expecting, oh, they're going to be bearing down in goal now. Like, here's mm. what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, they just had to take a solo and turn around and fist it out to the sideline to someone. It was like they just were hitting, especially at how in once Thrown got that bit of a cushion. Come the sec, the, the final quarter, or even with twenty minutes. Well, I actually thought the penalty. I don't. I think the penalty was overrated as a kind of a turning point. I thought Tyrone, like it was almost nearly against the run of play a bit there, especially the fact that it came from a free that it dropped short. Um, but uh, and it showed you, like even if you go back to what you were saying, Morris, about Conor Myler, like if you compare that example where the Kim uh, Whelan, I think, pointed, or maybe it was Rushing McCombe pointed out on the Saturday game uh, daytime show, where people were trying to get a hand on him and he was just soloing back. He wasn't trying to take it into the tackle or anything um, and then waited for the perfect opportunity to give great pass. Whereas Mayo players tended, they did that all right. They weren't as bad as Kerry. They didn't take it into the tackle too much, but then they'd end up taking a pot shot from 40 yards and just kind of skying it off the outside, outside of the boot or something that went straight up in the air. It was it seemed to be a lot of that and going down the down the final four long especially that they were just making the wrong decisions even though and it was brought on by Tyrone pressure even though you might not actually see a Tyrone player hounding them down to block them or anything as they were taking the shot what about go on sorry Mars just like I, I agree with that but the only the only thing I want to add to that is you know if you look at the shot map for the second half from where Mayo took their shots they're taking them from the right the efficient position they're you know they're actually they're fairly centralized they're they're, they're working them into, yeah. into, into the right place but the fact is that they either a they're the wrong shooters you know you've got like uh, I, 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 it's, I think it's unfair to signal out too many players but the amount of times Connor Loftus like Connor Loftus came in off the wing dropped one short carried into contact uh, a minute later ballooned another one wide to come, when he rebounded in off the right wing and kicked the ball off Jordan Flynn comes on the very first thing he does is win a ball Aidan Shea standing behind him on the 45 like he's at the top of the D I mean I, I don't I don't want to Cohen and Flynn missed chances from the top of the D and as harsh as this is to say like that's you know you, you can say that's a poor selection that's down to pressure to my mind that's just down to ability just you know you, you've got a, a very mobile very fit players in that middle third in the likes of um, Brian Walsh, uh, McLaughlin I thought yesterday, Paddy Durkin but when it comes down to it they couldn't execute their, their shots and you compare that to you know uh, Paul Campsey has hit three outside of his right boot points in this year's championship like that is just perfect execution he knows exactly what he's doing uh, now sudden I think has t- 10 shots in championship he's kicked eight points again on the right outside the right boot probably half of them you know they they have the they have that in their lock here and Robin I think McNamee is scoring points uh, yes yeah yeah and like, I, mean, like, I, I know this is going to people are going to be really annoyed by this Mick like but to, to my mind it comes what it comes down to is they just don't have that in it you know they're not they just don't have that ability this is what it comes down to for me for ability yeah whatever but like this it, it goes back to the conversation we were having about the Irish football team last week and about like Gavin Bazuna being part of the team as opposed to if only for the goalkeeper taking your chances is part of being a football team yeah, you know? yeah. and it's like this idea that oh Mayo squandered the chances therefore you know they didn't have the players to do that and it's like I exactly. think somewhere in between between like the pot shots because it did seem panicky, Morris, despite what the map says, like, you know, and what you're saying of them not having the ability to get the right players or not having enough of the right players to be taking those shots. It's a huge part of them not just being good enough at the moment. And that's fine. They're on early in the journey. Maybe they get there. Maybe there's a couple of players that come through. Uh, so on. The other interesting Because I do think it's important to talk about him. You mentioned all the things he was doing there earlier. You, like, it's another All-Ireland final without him scoring at seven. To my mind... And I just watched him really closely yesterday. He won, say, for example, both the throw-ins really aggressively. 
at the start of the game and at the second half. Second half when he won it, got all the space in the world, then kicked it into 50 yards of space and I think got out for a sideline. Um, but it felt to me immediately he's like, I'm trying to make the mark in this game. He got the chance, the chance he kicked wide in the first half. He had made a brilliant run. He called for a call for a call for it. I've never seen a player so vocal about looking for the ball, got it, then popped it wide. And you're like, oh, Jesus, it's going to be another one of these Aiden O'Shea days. But his game isn't only built around whether he's scoring or not. But I think that's a way a lot of people are just going to look at it and say, Aiden O'Shea bottles it in the finals. Big, Not a big occasion player. Full stop. I'm just going to let you debunk that theory if it is worth debunking. Yeah, like, like I, I, I find the, the, like, I think I'm, Kind of been corrupted by the online discourse around this game because I find myself. Oh, I'm no, about actually, to. It's the only thing I'm thinking of. It's, it's completely. Uh, like, I'm about to jump to Inoshe's defense here when I don't think he played that well. Like, oh, I, yeah, and you well, know, yeah. it, it kind of it will lead me to over exaggerate what I'm trying to do because we're just living in these total extremes. Uh, so, so Inoshe, to my mind, is not was not Mayo's problem yesterday. As I said, I think the, the problem was that middle third, they're just a couple of tiers below what you need from. Man, we talked about this for the Kerry game. Now you could go back, and I, I think Aidan O'Shea was totally let down, but tactically by the gate, the way they set up yesterday. In that, what does he do well? Is getting on ball, is forcing turnovers, uh, laying it off. He, that, that that's exactly that's his skill set. So if you go back to the, the first thing he does, as you mentioned, Mick, wins a throw in, uh, gives the ball to Tommy Conroy, score. Uh, wins the ball out on the, the sideline, storms past Strona McMahon, gives the ball off to Tommy Conroy. Conroy's fouled, free score. Wins the ball the edge of the fouled. Uh, but right, that's another score. Wins the ball out in front, gives the ball off to Porcohora. Sorry, Ohora's dragged down. Score. Uh, he also that the Ryan Dunn, who I don't know if you remember the one I'm talking about in the first half when he just kicked like a diagonal ball across from the 45. Uh, I don't know who it was meant for, but Myler won it and took it up the field anyway. The that whole play started by a really good pass by Keegan for Aiden uh, out in front wins it, gives it off to Dirk, and he gives it to I don't know who I don't know who does that. So that that's the first half. I actually think he had a pretty good game, other than the the miss particularly but and uh, he also as you mentioned kicked that wide in his left as well now in the second half he's on the periphery of the game he's you know on, on the edge of the square the amount of times where as i mentioned you know tommy conroy doesn't square the ball back across for his missed goal chance the one when he uh, breaks over the back kicks it on his right puts it wide aiden O'Shea screaming for the ball across the square doesn't get the ball jordan flynn has a chance to give him the ball doesn't give him the ball brian walsh is one on, the, on his right foot o'shea stand on the edge of the square he doesn't give the ball now i would say uh, like you know, not to go too pop psychology here, but I would say part of that is down to the fact that they might not have necessarily a huge amount of trust in his finishing ability. So he's not getting the ball, which to my mind, like so you're looking at this game, and I mean, I I, I don't know what he, I'd love to hear what you think about this, but like I thought Horn's attitude line was quite defeatist, and maybe I'm jumping to assumptions here, his his body language, but I also think, you know, that that just might be like an image, a spectacle, whatever you want to call it. But I also think their lack of intervention there to the fact that you're getting cleaned out in the middle of the field, like Brian Kennedy and Conkle Patrick are getting more and more on top. They're starting to win kickouts. Their your, your rate of turnovers is decreasing dramatically. So what do you need? You need a big presence in midfield, somebody who can force turnovers, win kickouts, lay the ball off, and you've Aiden O'Shea stand on the edge of the square. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand why they persisted with that for 35 minutes. And the, the, only, time, <laughs> the only time Aiden O'Shea comes out is when Derek Hanneman comes on, and he's chased Derek Hanneman back when Derek Hanneman has his goal chance, which isn't a skill set either. I don't, I'd, I'd love to know what you think, because like, maybe that's, you know, I don't. I'm not saying that he had a a great game. I thought he had a good first half and t- totally faded in the second half. But I think it was more to do with what was going on around him than it was with him himself. What do you think, Mark? I don't know. I don't know. I, I kind of. I don't know why the narrative is always around Nate O'Shea. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I know. I <laughs> he's, he's captain. I know and everything. But like, 
he was he he was quiet at all in the second half but again if you're pointing out to the big mistakes or the things that we're talking about just as what uh drone would go or um would lurie into making he wasn't probably one of the players i can't remember any off the top of my head that you know that because it's really like his uh Marcini was he was laying it off quickly he was a focal point of thought for the attack he was like even if he wasn't doing a whole pile he takes watching and he takes he can't just like go oh we're not going to worry about this this uh target man in on the square and just yeah. uh go off and play wrong so, like i thought i mean he was very good at bringing other players into the into the game if you look at, at the other side like Wayne Donahue alongside him was extremely busy but then made mistakes on the ball but he was on it more often so it's very hard to balance it it's very hard to balance it out in terms of what the issue is. but i don't again yeah i don't i, I just i'm kind of tired of um yeah. this you know this in the shade score like mayo or again like we talked about with um with tyrone in terms of the team and experience team like they're a they're a team of whatever to come on yesterday 20 21 22 players and yeah still talking about in the i don't know Marking a well, very good specifically, but on social media. Everything. Yeah, no, sure, I know. Um, but he's marking a very good player as well. I mean, there was one ball that was sent in to Morris that was like, it was really obviously to try and get a mark, which I think was probably the only time that happened yesterday. And McNamee was just perfect. You know, it was just yeah, perfect did. defending. Like, you know, and there's not much you can do about that. You know what I mean? There is this idea, we talked about it with Darren at the start of the year, of like, there should, could be something very interesting and having Aiden O'Shea just as his focal point full forward and everybody working around him. But the better the teams you come up against, the harder that is. That's not as simple as, you, as it sounds to just have this big, you know, ball-winning full forward. The other thing is yeah, it I, takes, exactly as you were saying earlier on, Morris, but it takes, it's like, Aidan O'Shea can't be a brilliant target, or any player can't be a brilliant target man full forward if you don't have the second phase coming off you if it's not been kicked into you there's all it's it's again it's it's a whole structure and a game plan that needs to come off and again if if tyrone are blocking out that middle like protecting around the d then it, it's not on as much you know you can't it's very hard to to come running out like the one he got with park horror was a perfect example of it but again i think did that end up being a fist pass in or it was it was a it was very it was very tight the way it came off it's not easily done like i mean O'Shea would really well win it. Horror was coming right, right on him, just the exact perfect timing in terms of his run. And it's just it's difficult when you're against a Tyrone team that um, defend as well as, as as you were saying, Mick. They just have not just McNamee, but the entire defensive unit. Yeah. Did you think yeah. it was a good All Ireland final, Mark? Like, because I just think, think there's things we haven't talked about. Like, I mean, Conor McKenna's no look pass. I feel like should be a bigger deal. To oh, that was you lovely. know, and I. I for me, I, I don't know, I thought that I thought that Cotton McShane's goal was really underrated because I thought that he just knew exactly where Henley was at all times and just the, the casualness to just be able to fist the ball in the in the opposite way than you think it's going to in the air. There are two goals like straight away that I think that are not being talked about enough today. But at the same time, you mentioned this earlier, maybe Tyrone were in you know, in, in the penalty might not have been as big a turning point, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I felt that Throne were in control for the whole second half. I felt it was oh, Dublin Mayo were way less behind than they were at times against Dublin in the second half. But I felt it was over, whereas I never did. Yeah, um, I had the like, same feeling. And <laughs> that's—I don't know what it was. It's just, yeah. and like that's what people might be watching going, "What are you talking about?" It was like the Mayo penalty was against one of play. They're after coming back to like two points down, and it was yeah, yeah. And it's like, I was like, there's just something I felt. 
there's always you know we were talking about earlier on with the glitches in the system or whatever that they go a mayo attack that it was not there's another one where, where tyrone i actually thought in the first half was like tyrone seemed to be able to smell or like hear indecision or mistakes because they're just like, when they actually go and they go to spawn in on you um it, they're so perfectly well or so very good good at timing it and i swear to god about 20 seconds later it happened where i think it might have been much i could be wrong it was some mayo player was coming running through at full tilt and you could see in his eyes that he was looking to give it to someone off the shoulder and he realized oh there's nobody there but at the exact same time it seemed like 10 tyrone players realized oh there's nobody there and he wants to pass it let's get in on top of him now that he's uh that he's kind of uh, distracted with indecision and they just uh, they just dispossess them straight away and it's like when you see that happen time and time again it kind of grinds yeah. it grinds you down and it, like, I, I just thought that no matter what Mayo did Tyrone would end up doing the same thing which is kind of what happened in the end yeah that's actually just your voice because it grinds you down whereas like Dublin had them beaten but they kept letting them in which actually lifts you it's almost the opposite yeah. it keeps you going for the next phase and the next phase and so on and so forth whereas it was the opposite yesterday did you think it was a good match Mars? Memorable. I don't know. I think the the first half was very entertaining. Um, but I do, I think, you know, those the, the missed chances that we were talking about in the second half, where you know, uh, like the instance Mark described there. There's three different examples of that came to my mind as he's talking there. There was the Brian Walsh one. There was the one where Jordan Flynn fell on the ground and threw the ball backwards. And there was a Paddy Durkin one when he got called for overcarrying. So you know, you can take your pick which one he's talking about. And I think when you see that happened when you see the two shots that I mentioned by Conan Flynn on the edge of square, Loftus is three, Brian Walsh is missed. It sucks the life out of the, not only does it like, it, it definitely affects Mayo in terms of, you know, I just think it must be so disencouraging when you see these, you keep missing these chances that you're creating over and over and over. Mm. But it also sucks the life out of the game, I, I find anyway. Like I do think it makes, it really emphasizes that this game is a couple of notches below the quality that we might've seen of the, I don't know, pick your, make your choice of Mayo 2017, for example, or, or yeah. whatever you want to want. But it's a real, really underlines the fact that, but like Mick, I talked to you about this. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. You know, I don't know. I think like some people don't seem to like the idea. I, I, I do think football for the first time in my lifetime, the, as terms of collective quality has gotten slightly worse. You know, I, I just, I do think, no, I don't, I don't think that has any impact on, you know, spec because I think games are more entertaining when there's more turnovers, but definitely in terms of, like just in terms of cohesion, decision making, collective attacking, uh, defensive structures, I do think we're we're a couple of pegs below where we were in 2017, 2018, for example. Now, I, I think it's totally understandable when you can't, you know, contact time and pitch sessions are as reduced as they were, and it's it, this is a consequence of it. But yeah, for me, it was a it was a couple of pegs below the kind of I, like I definitely wouldn't have been deeming it a classic, for example. Mm. There's one thing as well. Um, I was thinking this just at half. You say we're in the. You're doing all the previews and you're listening to preview things and never football matches. And we're all. You'd always hear this kind of like it's nearly cliche at this stage of oh, you know, the bench is so important and it's uh, it's you know the people who finish are on the pitch at the end are most just as important as who start the thing. But you're kind of. I think we're all just paying lip service to that. And it's only when you actually like because you're kind of like analyzing the game. It's like oh, this is a toss up. Tyrone Mayo. You know who's going to do, and then obviously Tyrone have a better bench than Mayo, and you don't really take that. I don't think fully appreciate that until it gets to halftime and Tyrone are ahead, and you're almost like, "Geez, we need to do another preview show here for this game, this second half, because <laughs> there's no point in the, the halftime analysis is actually pointless because within 15, 20 minutes, it's a different team. The two different teams that are going to be on the pitch, and there's going to be a team with Cotton McShane in it, a team with. Derek Hannibal in it. There's like there was other players who could have come on and Chairman Canary come on at the end, but there, there's so many players come on for uh, uh Donahue yeah. as well for, to come on for Tyrone. And you're like, when you think of that, you're like, Jesus, like 
I can't see the Mayo team that's going to play this, that's going to be coming down the home straight at the minute, being able to to match that Tyrone team because Colin McShane is an all-star. Terry McCann, definitely all-star nominated. I'm not sure we've ever actually won one. Uh, Derek Hanneman is uh, proclaimed the son of God by some yeah. people. Uh, so like, and then you look who's involved, look at the people that are involved then coming down the home straight. It is Hanneman, it is McShane. So, um, but, and then the other thing, yeah, Mick, just to go back to the point, the, the two goals definitely need to be talked about because they were, they were just a joy. Like, I mean, it, Mayo, fair play to them, they're really, they're really brave. They always, you know, the defenders mark from in front. It looks great when they're coming out and winning ball in front. But the one thing you don't want when you're like that is what happened to poor uh, Oshie Muller with that goal for um, McShane, which is a ball, a long ball in over the top when you don't know where your man is because he's behind you and you're not fully sure you're backpedaling trying to get up to it. Uh, so that was a brilliant pass in by Myler and a great face. Like, and that's, um, yeah. we don't talk about anything that Conor Myler does in the last third unless he's harrying and doing all the things Morris was talking about but a great footballer as well like, yeah you know, and, and then McShane, or McKenna's pass I actually was going what's he doing I thought he'd run into trouble yeah. when he had the chance to shoot and he knew exactly what he's doing you could see in the, the third replay I think from behind the goal Morris's favorite angle you could see that he spotted him early and never looked again never looked yeah. again never moved his eyes even until the ball was out of his hands, like it was, it was brilliant. And McKenna is someone, lads, that is so close to being a superstar, isn't he? Like he keeps, he keeps doing three or four magic things a game, and but kind of disappointing a little bit. Like I know that's a really unfair thing to say. It's like he's been back, what now? Like is it, is it even, is it eighteen months or whatever? Like you know what I mean? He's back he, November he's last year, yeah. So not and even. It goes you know, to your point yeah. about COVID training and everything else. Like you know what I mean? There hasn't been. He hasn't had a full go at it, but. You kind of feel like he could be. You build a full forward line in the future around a fully fit McShane, McCurry, and McKenna, and it's going to take some beating, like, isn't it? Yeah, and you know, I thought it was interesting. Sean Cavanagh talking last night about when he got down onto the pitch and asking, talking to a couple of the younger lads like Conor Myler, he said, and Kieran Geary, and them saying it feels like they're club teams and the lack of ego and this kind of talking about you know collective ability the, the idea that they don't care who gets applauded and like a lot of people dismiss that as cliched but I do think McKenna is kind of the epitome of that for me you know he like he's working back like a dog now he, he I think he like I think he conceded five frees yesterday you know so some of them were I'm fairly obvious the one when he bulldozed Lee Keegan in the back when he was storming down the middle like that could have easily have been a yellow and then suddenly he's, he's skating to nice but I, just to see him back and doing that kind of dirty work coming out winning freeze, the ball he gave for, you know, McCurry's gorgeous uh, first point on his left foot. McKenna uh, wins the ball in the middle. Terrence give the kick pass in. Uh, McCurry kicks the ball over the bar. I also think just make a separate thought of that. It's just such a nice story, isn't it? You know, like this guy yeah. who like leaves in, you know, 2014 uh, leaves. His first game is watching Tyrone win in All-Ireland in 2005. That was his first time going to a game. He leaves in, uh, you know, is in Melbourne, it's very well publicized at this stage how homesick he was like in 2018 he's in his apartments you know watching through gritted teeth as their own 21s the team he was part of are in an all-ireland final uh goes through what he did in 2020 you know all the while is like t- thinking of home longing for home that the whole time they're trying to alleviate it you know i don't know if it's it's fully appreciated just the extent that that like the club tried to i spoke to dan richardson this week who's the general manager who was the general manager of essendon while mckenna was there he's actually his father is barry richardson who he started to process the entire process of bringing Irish players over he was the guy who scouted, scouted Sean White and um, Jim Sines. you know this is back in the, the 80s right so this guy knows exactly and he will speak to you like very very fondly of how the McKenna's regard for home and how much the club appreciated that 
uh, like you know I, I understand McKenna had offers from to get out of Melbourne if he wanted to like very lucrative offers if he wanted to go somewhere else but he didn't want it wasn't about that he just wanted to get home get paying for Tyrone get back to his family and the fact that he, he does that and within 12 months as an, an Ireland medal I just I think it's a lovely story you know it's it's I you couldn't help but be delighted for him I suppose yeah absolutely I, I look I've been trying to get to the team of the year stuff and wrap up <laughs> I, just, I keep asking extra questions but John I actually feel like I have to mention for all I've been dismissive of Mayo's heartbreak because I wanted to talk about Tyrone, but let's talk about Mayo's heartbreak because I was like this is amazing lads forget about the 11 All-Irelands or whatever think about the fact that in the last 10 years they have played in six All-Irelands seven All-Irelands finals now is it sorry I've, I've after losing track there but it's a set is it seven or six? Six, isn't it? Six, I think. Six all um, Ireland finals. People I are think... saying, oh, people are counting the replay, aren't they? Yeah. In 2017. Oh, yeah, 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 that's, yeah, that's what confused if you, me. All. If you actually go back yeah. to 1989, I was reading the RTE report, they've yeah. lost 33% of all the Ireland finals played since <laughs> uh, 1989. <laughs> but, yeah, so they, they, they've played, I suppose, yeah, the, the Mayo, since they last won one, have played in 13 all Ireland finals and not won any of them. They've drawn two. But it... it in I suppose year by year it's eleven All Ireland finals and this team or this some of this team have lost six in the last ten years. Mentioning how amazing a record it is to even get to that. In three of the other four years they were in All Ireland semi finals. In two of those trees they lost in a replay. This is insane. The run that Mayo are on in general and they just I personally think have never been the best team. Have been the second best team. They might have been like. 1A in 2016 and 2017 to the best team of all time in their actual prime. Like it, it, It's insane how unlucky they've got in that respect. But have they actually got unlucky as such in any particular games? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not so sure they've left any behind them as such. But I can't help but look at like Lee Keegan yesterday and just feel like I've always been so 50-50 on Mayo. I watch, I watch these games thinking it's such an amazing sports story that they can't win. And the longer it goes and the more, the higher the numbers are, the better a sports story it is. And I'm a neutral. I don't care about Mayo. So therefore I should be rooting for that. But when you're actually watching the games, it's so hard not to think I want Lee Keegan to run. I don't know, knock himself out running. Yeah. Into the 16 I was about to finally broken this duck, you know, I was about to, I was thinking there when we were talking about it because I was like, right, um, the one thing we need to mention before we move off the final was is Lee Keegan because the man was getting whatever about sliding in and uh, out in your out in your knees getting grass horns you need. The man got grass horns on his forehead from <laughs> the way he was taking the game to the road in that second half, the time he was pulled out. And like it's it's it, you also feel like you nearly feel bad. Like it's great to analyze the game and look at where it was one lost. Same after the Ireland semi finals as well. But at some point as well, you have to mention that. Like it's just like the very very fine margins, and like Mayo were in that game up until the end last yesterday. Up until, like you thought you know something mad could happen, and they could still come back and win it up until maybe probably just like a minute in, into injury time. So like they've they've been there or thereabouts all the time, and it feels it feels yeah you feel nearly wrong analyzing why they lost. Yeah, I have to do it obviously, and um, that's what the show is all about. But at the same point, it's just like geez, once you want to sit back and go. You know, all those teams that have lost those finals, the amount of entertainment they've given us, the performances they've put in have been incredible. And at the end of the day, they just lost. That's yeah. that you know, sometimes that's it. We just we we had a great run, we played really well, we had a brilliant year, but we just lost. And you talk about Dublin's regeneration, as you mentioned, it's a new team in many ways that have played two all Ireland finals around. It should stand to them, but at the same time, I keep thinking Lee Keegan is still their best player, and he's irreplaceable in the way that 
I don't know, Stephen Cluxon's irreplaceable, that Jack McCaffrey is irreplaceable. Dublin lose the two of them and aren't winning all and didn't win the All Ireland anymore. You know what I mean? And it's just you kind of wonder if regeneration is all well and good, but you're not going to get another player like Lee Keegan if you're Mayo. And he, he, like, there's no reason to think Lee Keegan won't be there next year doing the exact same thing. <laughs> by the way, but I, I do think Mick, when you think back on uh, just, put, I think this is a nice bridge into the team of the year when you think back on how, how much did this one final would change your perception of certain Mayo players like players you thought were definitely going to get an all-star and then they come into the final and they lose like the and the, the best, best example of this was actually watching the Dublin Mayo game for me like it is so so hard to look good in a losing team like when things are going against you all-time great some of the best footballers of my lifetime just look like distinctly average it, you know and it's just inevitable when things are going against you they're getting frustrated or doing things that look so uncharacteristic and yet still, think about the amount of incredible Lee Keegan performances when Mayo haven't won. You know, the, the draw game, uh, that, that's you know, frequently referenced. I, I thought yesterday, the, the point he kicked, you know, that, the fact that everything seems to be going wrong. Like, you know, it was, ne- it was like a spectacular collapse. They just needed somebody to grab it by the scuff of the neck and it ends up being their corner back, like romping forward yeah. and doing it. it. It's just such a... Keeping like, you know, the ball I, alive I, in the corner when he was surrounded by, I think, at least How did he keep that ball? Yeah, I, I can't get over that. How did, like, the, the, yeah. Conor Moyler, who's an unbelievable tackler, was on top of him, had his hand in twice and somehow he managed to keep that ball. And, then, and this goes back to our point that's all that he does all of that, like, incredible work, recycles the ball, gets the ball back to Durkin, ball goes back to is it Brian Walsh and Brian Walsh kicks the ball away like it just must be so so destroying for him but I, I do think you know it, it just is a further emphasis of just how you know an all-time great Lee Keegan is not that anybody's going to argue that let's talk about team of the year then because uh we we have a rolling all-stars with PwC that we're going to finalize later in the week but you two you know back in the day you were uh the the, the, the main selectors on this team so I'm definitely going to get your input let's have a look at the Sunday game team of the year that they pick because I think football is a little bit open this year uh, Niall Morgan, I don't think anybody can complain about. Lee Keegan, Pora Kamsi, Kieran McGeary, and Peter Hart. Well, Kieran McGeary, for sure, def- I would say, are walk in. So, uh, Sludden, um, in the packs, especially, uh, Paddy Durkin, and maybe Hart are probably worth talking about there. Matthew Ruan, I think, up until the final, probably like, did enough, didn't have a, the best game and did get sent off. I'd not call Kilpatrick, actually, um, if we could just come off this for a second. Uh, lads is somebody that like the Tyrone midfield and you'll see it in our role on stars has been underrated all year they've been borderline anonymous in a way and I thought yesterday they were like both of them were superb and I think maybe maybe it is um maybe it is him that's going to be the one that kind of shone that little bit more but actually it was a real kind of coming out party for them yesterday yeah, the two lads, again, it's one of the things that you always talk about. I was like, Otterow in midfield, you know, after the Kerry game and everything, you're like, Otterow, no, they might, you know, if they break even around midfield, they'll they'll be lucky or they don't really care about midfield. And it's always been, yeah. this This go back 20 years. And yet the amount of midfielders they've had that have uh, actually put in incredible performances and brilliant players throughout those throughout that period, like there's so many of them. They're a different type of midfielder, Kilpatrick and uh, uh Kennedy, uh, yeah. I was thinking I kept going Brian Donnelly, which is never mind. Just like just got like, but uh, yeah. they're kind of more of a throwback to the normal type of midfield you would have. Yeah. Like, was, like the one we showed again in the Saturday game uh, that uh, Kennedy caught for chance. I think it was Sludden ended up putting it wide. Um, was very he caught that running towards goal across it. Was it was any really more? It was any. Really, Better than Kilpatrick's catch that ended up with goal. Like they were two incredible um, things. That's that's just two moments. Never mind their actual play throughout the year. Yeah, 
let's get back to the team here because I'm I'm realizing that I've nearly gone an hour with you guys uh, after already talking to the boys earlier on. This is going to be the longest show of all time. Connor Myler, I think, is a guarantee. We'll come back to Paddy Clifford, Kieran Kilkenny, uh, Darren McCurry, David Clifford, and Tommy Conroy are the uh, the full forward line that the Sunday game or the Saturday game or whatever it is uh, decided to go for. Always an interesting team. It's very different than what we went. We have on our rolling all-stars going into the final. Now, bear in mind, the final hasn't been taken into account there yet. We had Niall Morgan. We had Michael McKernan, who didn't make it. O'Hara, um, Lee Keegan, Kieran McGeary, and Gavin White from Kerry. Uh, Matthew Ruan, Dermot O'Connor in midfield. Uh, Connor Myler, Sean O'Shea, Tommy Conroy, Darren McCurry, Jack McCarron was surviving, and David Clifford was in for Pawdy. Uh, possibly an overreaction to the uh, to the semi-final and the big games. David Clifford probably played well in all but one game, but uh, Pawdy Clifford... I don't know. I, there was conversations between him and Jack McCarron. Lads, can I make a... a I think Jack McCarron is probably going to drop out one way or another in, in, in this team now before next... Can I make a case, my annual case for the super sub getting an all-star? I've done it every year. <laughs> I've gone back to thinking that Kevin McMenamin was footballer of the year in 2011 and the hill I will die on forever. Colin McShane, you could argue, won the All-Ireland semi-final from the bench and he scored a goal in the final from the bench yesterday that got Tyrone going and was... You know, was that was that moment that sort of stretched out and Mayo never looked like they were coming back from that. Tom McShane could have an all-star from the bench this year, or at least could be a nominee. Yeah, can't, I, I can't argue with you if I'm after saying we need to preview the preview <laughs> a new match at halftime every match. So <laughs> if if the players are as important, the players that finished the game as the ones that started, then why are why isn't there an all-star? It should be an all-star team for starting 15 and an all-star team for finishing 15. Oh, yeah. God almighty, can you imagine? Just, give, just giving more arguments to all-star teams if we did it that way. <laughs> Morris, do you have anyone in there that, that isn't in either team or that, that isn't in our rolling all-star team that would have to come in this week? No, I, I do think... Um, I think Paddy Clifford, uh, just watching back that semi-final during the week there, I think his uh, performance was... I think he was criminally like underrated by me personally. You know, I, he like he won ball and gave passes for chances that were squandered. He... Uh, one freeze that were missed you know I, I think that was one of the most frustrating things watching it back I didn't realise how many frees Sean O'Shea missed in that game as well that he, he dropped one short uh, that you know Paddy Clifford wins the ball in his own 45 carries the ball to the opposite 45 is fouled and it ends up being missed so I thought he he actually won the the, the free kick the extra time the point to kick the extra time that kind of instigated Kerry's uh, whatever you want to call it mini comeback at the time so I thought he was uh, re- really good. I would agree with your team in terms of uh, this team, sorry, that Michael McKernan, I think, was is more deserving than uh, I would actually have him in over Durkin. I know it's probably like, I do, I do think Mick, part of this, the problem is that there's a very, very conscious of going too heavy, you know, to have nine Tyrone players, the optics of that. Now, personally, you know, I think you, you go on the form, like, who's going to, are you going to argue against nine Tyrone players when they've beaten, you know, was it, what are the four Division One teams now plus the reigning Ulster champions? Um, <laughs> so I, I, I personally would have way we keep no... saying that about Kevin who are now in Division 4 yeah. <laughs> that doesn't sound right so we just got it the I, I didn't want to rub more salt into, into Mark's wounds there but <laughs> but, but otherwise yeah I, I think uh, that yeah I, I would largely go along with, with that team I, there's not too many fans other than that yeah there's, a, there's I suppose more discussion to come in that footballer of the year then who are the nominees Morgan for me, I don't think he's going to get a, a thing, but I'd have him in there. And I think Connor Myler and then... Kieran McGeary, probably. It's Kieran McGeary. Is that he, he's the next one. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking maybe McCurry. I wonder, is Lee Keegan in the conversation? 
as well. Like it's, you know, I don't know how, how brilliant he was in the Connacht Championship. I thought he'd probably lost a step, to be honest, but from his performance in the semi-final and final, you'd have to think Lee Keegan's at least in the discussion. Yeah, they mentioned on the McGeary got it on the Sunday game or Saturday game last night, and mm. uh, they also mentioned Park Hamsey, who probably has a decent yeah, show too. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. fairness, um, like he's he man marked Thomas Galligan uh, and the uh, Ulster uh, champions captain. Um, <laughs> he man marked uh, Conor McManus. He man marked Michael Murphy. He man marked Sean O'Shea. And last night he looked like he was on Conroy. But you know, I, as well as doing all that, the three points he has kicked, like the point against Monaghan and the points yesterday, just on the outside of the right foot, was just outrageous. So he probably has a, a decent argument as well. I think I'd probably go with Myler, given how good he was in the final. But I also wouldn't have, like, I wouldn't necessarily have too big an issue with the fact that they went with McGeary last night. Yeah. Uh, you can read your piece, actually, Morris's piece on Balzabi about uh, Parakamsi and the best man marker in the country that you wrote. I think before the All Ireland semi final, so that that's one that you've actually has been borne out over the the two big games of the year. Mark, who would you go for footballer of the year? Oh, I don't know. I've been. I know you hate I've picking been... one player. It's a team game, says Mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been swinging though. I was like McGeary. Like did McGeary? I think. Am I right to say? It? Maybe it's just the social media I've followed, but. Um, I think Kavanagh might have mentioned him in the Shankar might mention him in the build-up to the semi-final. It was like McGeary could be a shout for Footballer of the Year, and then it kind of just seemed to become a given that Kieran yeah. McGeary's Footballer of the Year. Like McCurry had been absolutely, and that's not sorry, I'm not giving out, but McGeary could well be the Footballer of the Year. It's just it's just funny the way when you see the things play out. Um, McCurry like was brilliant throughout the championship. He didn't have his best game against Kerry, he was kept very quiet against Kerry for a long period, then came into it. Oh, he yeah. scored, what yeah. was it, 1-3 or 1-4 in the final. I just wonder, are we kind of underestimating him or underrating him slightly in terms of how well he's actually played throughout the year? Because but then at the same point, forward. yeah, and then at the same point, I probably would have been leaning to him. I was going to bed last night, I was like, right, Conor Myler's my player of the year. But then when Morris is listed off Hamsies, it's like, Jesus. <laughs> like, I mean, you can laugh at, you can laugh at, um, or defending Ulster champions, Morris or whatever. But Thomas Galligan was an All Star, like, and he, yeah, yeah. he, 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 him, McManus, like that's uh, Mike. Oh, Jesus! Like it's such a he's and he's to show up. Like he probably scored more than all of them put together when he has to offer that. So I don't know. It's I would I, I would like to pick up. I'd probably go with. I would be in charge of having to pick up. I'd probably go with. I'm going to go with McCurry. McCurry was like yeah, I seen like him. In the, yeah, to be yeah, fair, yeah. I saw him in the flesh against Cavan, and he was electric so that probably has given me a, a probably leaning that way for me as well even though that was first round yeah the mcgeary narrative is funny because doing the rolling all-stars every week and kind of having long discussions about this every monday and tuesday it's like mcgeary was being singled out in every Toronto match but it was in it but it was low-key in a way it was like you kind of thought oh he had he had the good game this day it'll be connor myler the next day or whatever yeah. and then you realize Wait, we're having this exact same Kieran McGeary conversation every week. This isn't the one-off. Yeah. He was the good one yesterday. He is doing it all the time, and his performances are actually stepping up. Like if anything, so yeah, I I would tend to I I think that in the bigger games, so Ulster final on, I thought Conor Myler might have been their best overall player in the last three games, and I think that's probably what counts the most. So, but then again, I'm I'm dismissing the Donegal semi-final then as well. I don't know. Um, Tough one. I wouldn't like to be picking either. Lads, we've taken nearly an hour of your time. I'm going to be sacked because this is like basically a two-hour <laughs> podcast at this stage. But uh, thank you for answering the bat signal for our uh, our um, last county GA embedded of the season anyway. Uh, get the old podcast crew back together and dissect it all. No Look, what else would you be doing on a Sunday only listening to us ramble on about football? 
<laughs> so nothing else to do. Go, go and watch the Camogie final now. Go out there and play it. Thanks a million to Morris and Mark. Cheers. Uh, and thanks a million for you for watching or listening, depending on what you're doing. If you're watching on the YouTube uh, channel, please do subscribe to the channel. We're here with you every week. And of course, if you're listening to the podcast and aren't subscribed, please do so. Please also leave us a comment and a rating. That's the end of GEA Embedded for what it is for the, the county season anyway. Thanks a million to everybody for watching all the year, um, all, all through the championship. Thanks a million, obviously, to Darren O'Sullivan, um, to Shane McGrath for the hurling and for all the guests that we've had on throughout the year. Um, again, thanks for you for watching. We will be back, of course. Um, we're not going anywhere. This GEA season, it's not going away, you know. There's plenty more to come. It's just in a different format, but we'll talk to you soon.